Well, hello everyone. Good morning and welcome again to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. My name is Melvin Gaines. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, we're going to allow some people to jump on with us since it's nice and bright and early on a 930, 930 on a Sunday morning. Uh, but until then, let's uh, listen to some music. Uh, All My Hope is in Jesus by Crowder uh, for today's musical selection. Thanks for being here this morning. And good morning, Beverly, and good morning, Beth. Thanks for being here today. Good morning, Clarinda. Thank you for joining us this morning. Hey, Ronnie, good morning. Good morning. Nate Marnell, thank you for the reminder. Good morning. I always say Nate. There's two people there. Good morning. Sorry about that. And Terry, too. You're right. Terry, too. She's listening. That's right. Hey, Brother Roscoe, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Sunday morning. Marnell said what I am. 
Am I chopped liver? <laughs> now, wait a second. Now, that's not what we're saying. You are not chopped liver. <laughs> I'm not going to add anything to that whatsoever. Thank you. But you're definitely not chopped liver. was All My Hope in, is in Jesus by Crowder. Uh, that was a version I had never heard before, but it's a really good version. And uh, thanks again to praise team Arlen, uh, Arlen uh, for, for the uh, music for this morning. We have a few announcements to make. First of all, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, you might guess that this is not where we normally would be. We are, uh, we are in uh, sunny South Carolina right now. And we are enjoying the weather here uh, for today especially. And we will be back, of course, uh, home uh, later this evening. And we'll see you again next week for, for Sunday School from Home. Uh, we have a few announcements to make. First of all, Pastor Gus does have a pre-recorded message. Uh, and it is going to be uploaded and given uh, for people to look at who are not coming to church today uh, just after Sunday School. So be patient and wait for that. It's not in the timeline just yet. It will be right after Sunday School. It's a message called The Soul Matters uh, for Pastor Gus. This is his message for today. And it's my understanding that church will be outside today. It is outdoors today. So that will be available. Um, that will be his message again at church today as well, too, for those who are going. It's going to be in the uh, upper, mid to upper 60s uh, with, uh, I, I'm going to guess, at least a little bit of sunshine. No rain in the forecast. So dress accordingly, though it may be, there may be a 10-mile-an-hour breeze there, so just dress accordingly. So take that into account as you go about your business today at church. We um, <clears throat> are still recommending, for those who are uh, uncomfortable with it, uh, if you want to wear a mask, you can do so in close company with others. And we are practicing social distancing to a degree as well, too. So just keep that in mind as we get together. But... The fact that we're meeting outside is, is a good thing, I, I believe, uh, for the time being. So we'll just uh, look for that. So remember, the pre-recorded message for Pastor Gus will be available online after Sunday School once I upload it. I do have it. I just have to push the button and send it, and I will do that. We um, <clears throat> also want you to remember your tithes and offerings. Please do that. Please remember the tithes and offerings. We have... Um, uh, a need to just keep those that that the, the funds going to make sure that everything is being taken care of in church. There will be a drop box at church for those who are sending those, uh, bringing those to church as well. But if you're mailing your tithes or offerings, please do so at Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And we appreciate your participation in that too. <laughs> And uh, so with that in mind, I believe we've covered all the announcements that are necessary. Uh, I just want to thank everyone uh, for their patience. I'm going to trust that the, uh, the connection is good. We, we're using the uh, hotel Wi-Fi, and I'm going to trust that everything is working out well. And people are still jumping on right now. I, have, I do see that as well. So 
We're going to go ahead and get started, though, because we have, uh, it's not a many verses, but it's, a, it's good content, and it's content that's going to be great for a conclusion to Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, we are in Hebrews chapter 9, and we want to make sure that we're going to talk about now the blood of Christ, which is what this, is, this section is about. You may recall last week we mentioned that we were going to, we were talking about the First of all, the whole theme is the new covenant is greater than the old. And we were talking about the worship in the early tabernacle and what that consisted of. But now we're going to cover the redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ, which is what it's all about, which is what the Hebrew Christians were learning at the time when this instruction was being given to them. And this, is, again, is just laid out in such a way where I just still truly believe that this is a, a, a message or a series of messages that were given to the Hebrew Christians as far as, as far as teaching is concerned. And that's because of all the emphasis and all the uh, uh, detail that's being given about what's happening just to make sure that the, the audience can relate to what's being said. But now you have the teaching about Jesus Christ that's being added on to it. So we're going to cover Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15 close out this section of Hebrews and continue in the study. And what I would ask that you do, and, and make a note too, I, uh, I'm hoping that the lighting is good as well too here because we, we were uh, struggling a little bit with the lighting uh, for this session. It was really dark, uh, but it looks good. Okay, that's, that's all that matters. We want to take care of business here. So let's go ahead and do this. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and make sure that we are giving him his due and making sure that we're praying for the presence of the Spirit and understanding. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've uh, gathered with us. We thank you that for where more than two of us are gathered, you are present. We just give you praise and thanks, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring for us. We thank you for how you truly desire to have a close relationship with us. Lord, we pray that you will just continue to give us what we need as we move forward as we listen to you speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for the people of the church. I thank you, Lord, for those who truly are striving to seek after you and learn more about you. And, Lord, you know the, the ailments that some of our members have had. We pray, Lord, and lift them up to you right now, that you just touch them with your presence as well as your healing power. Thank you, Lord, for your teaching, and we thank you for the lessons that are to be learned here in this particular passage. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 11 through 15 today. And it is a great section. Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 15. And it is a passage that talks about the redemption of, of Jesus Christ through his blood. And what you have to remember what follows is what we looked at in the first 10 verses of this chapter where they went through the whole uh, demonstration about what was going on in the tabernacle and why we had this room and this uh, the rooms, the different rooms in there. We had the, uh, the holy place and then the most holy place. And you're going to see now with this particular section that there is no longer a need for the, what I'm gonna just going to call a ritualistic uh, way of taking care of, of reckoning with sin. And there's a very key word here that we'll be looking at uh, in greater detail within this passage itself. So let's read 
Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. And we're going to also uh, make a note here. This is the New Living Translation. And we ask that you follow along in your Bible, starting with Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle uh, in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. Verse 12, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. Remember it says, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. That's that key word I was referring to ceremonial impurity then verse 14 just think how much more the blood of christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living god for by the power of the eternal spirit christ offered himself to god as a perfect sacrifice for our sins and then verse 15 that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between god and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Okay, that's Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 15. So you see the teaching that's taking place here for the Hebrew Christians. He gives them the previous example of something that they're very familiar with, the tabernacle. And the most holy place is refers to the place where the priest could only go once a year uh, to atone for the nation's sins. And so now we're seeing how Jesus Christ is the one who takes the place of that, entering that most holy place, as it makes reference to here in Scripture. And that most holy place is where? It's, it's the place where Jesus Christ resides. He is the one who is speaking for us. Uh, because of his eternal sacrifice of the giving of his own blood, his sacrifice, the shedding of blood. The shedding of blood was necessary. We had to see this, and we're seeing this because the teaching here that takes place where we saw previously the shedding of blood of the goats, the calves, all the animals that were um, being sacrificed, and it was ceremonial. So let's look at this in greater detail. Uh, let's go back to verse, uh, verse 11 in chapter 9. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. And we recognize that God had told Moses and given, gave a command to Moses to make the tabernacle and do it exactly the way that God had specified because he wanted it exactly in that manner because that was going to be the place where he would reside uh, as a part of showing his presence showing that he indeed was faithful. He was going to make sure that uh, no matter what was taking place, wherever the Ark of the Covenant was being moved to, he was going to be present. And that was something that the people had to see and understand at that time. But now we see we have a substitute for that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Verse 12. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Now, the imagery that's being mentioned here was, was represented in Leviticus 16. If you were to go back to Leviticus 16, which we're not going to do here, uh, but you will see all of that 
the, the different rituals that were involved here. But notice how it says rituals. These are all things that were being done as a representation of what it meant for God to recognize the sin of the people and to atone for it through the blood sacrifices. But now we see how through his own death, Christ freed us from the slavery of sin forever. We no longer need, no need to go through rituals. We no longer need to go through these things. And that's what we have uh, to look forward to and understand when it comes to fellowship with him and being with him when we leave here. It's all taken care of. So, though you know, that Je- though you know who Jesus is, you might believe that you have to kind of work hard. Now, you have to understand that a lot of the rituals that took place were a matter of work. There was preparation of the altar. There was preparation of the animals involved. There was a work involved. It had to be a certain types of animals. It couldn't just be any animals that were sacrificed back at that time. But we recognize that even though you do go through all these things, that you were never really going to be good enough uh, for God. It was a matter of understanding that these things were being done. And we'll get to that word ceremonial in a moment. But let's look at what Jesus' blood does alone for us. The fact that he did everything that he did for us one time and for all time. And that's what we have to look at here. First thing we have to recognize that he has done for us, and I want you to think about this as we go through this list of items here. It's just a short list. But the first list is, number one, our conscience has been cleansed. When Jesus died for us on the cross... It took care of our conscience where we didn't have to worry about whether or not our sins were atoned for. We didn't have to worry about what's being done from a ritualistic perspective. Jesus is now taking care of all of our sins for all eternity in the event that we always look to him and ask for forgiveness for our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And so we have our conscience cleansed, and I'm just going to say our hearts are, are cleansed as well, too. We recognize that. The second thing we need to recognize here is that we're freed from death's sting, the sting of death, and we can live to serve God. Oh, death, where is your sting? Uh, is the uh, verse that comes to mind. We, we recognize that God has taken care of this thing about death where we don't need to fear death. You have to understand that uh, a lot of us, I think, in our flesh are concerned about that moment or that time when God calls us home and what's going to happen with that. Well, Honestly, um, for, for some of us who have come before us, they didn't have time to think about those things. Death came at an instant. It was just something that happened. But we know that in death, no matter when it comes or no matter how it comes, we have uh, a presence before Jesus Christ, absence from the body, presence with the Lord. Our souls are eternal. Our souls will be with him, and we don't need to worry about that. We are freed from death's sting. We can live and now be freed up. Because we're not worried about these things that we really can't control. But we're freed up to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We're freed up to serve him. And that's what's really important here too. I, we are free. We are free in Christ. Um, and, and, and John 8.36 says this. Those who are free in Christ are free indeed. You have to live with freedom and recognize that freedom. We don't need to worry about what's going to happen to us. We don't need to worry about uh, those extra details. When people are at peace you know sometimes people marvel when there are people who are on their deathbeds and they're living at peace and the peace is they know that they're that much closer to being with the lord i mean that's what it comes down to they're they're peaceful because they recognize what they have to look forward to and that's a beautiful thing that's a wonderful thing 
And the third thing we need to recognize, too, we are freed from the power of sin. We, we have a, a sinful nature that we overcome uh, by just recognizing and acknowledging Jesus Christ in our life, helping us to have the word to hide in our hearts so that we may not sin against him. Um, I'm just rattling off these verses that are coming to mind because these are things we all need to keep in mind as we live. We're, doing it, we're living in such a way where we're making sure that we are recognizing that we're living in freedom. We're freed from sin's power. Sin cannot overwhelm us or overtake us because we have Jesus Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in, in making sure that we're taking care of these, that these things are being taken care of for us. And because of our flesh, we sometimes live in such a way where the world will get us down. And we have to take that back to the Lord and say, you know what? If you're carrying guilt because you think you're not good enough for God, because you think you've sinned so much that you... You think you personally are beyond repentance or something? I, you know, and I, I'm not going to say that people don't think that way because I think they do. I think people think that they are, they think it's a futile effort to try to come before the Lord because they think that nothing's going to happen or they're not going to be forgiven. Well, that's a lie from Satan, of course. So we have to recognize that. But we have to look at what Jesus did for us by dying on the cross. He died for all of us, everyone, everyone is accounted for and intended to because of what Jesus Christ did for us. So even though you may not believe that you are forgiven, you are forgiven once you acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. It's for all of us, not for just some people in the population, not for those people who go to church more or something like that, for everybody. Uh, it, it, it's something that's very important for us to understand and not uh, allow Satan to play tricks with you or your mind about something like that. Don't allow that to happen. Go back to what Jesus Christ's truth really is here. And that's what's important for us to see. Um, Jesus' death means a great deal for us. He heals your conscience. He delivers you from the frustration of trying to earn God's favor because you can't earn it. You can't work for it. <clears throat> you can only do what? Acknowledge him. Rest in him. Look to him. Focus on him. Ask him to forgive you for those things you've done. And you know, as a, a point of fact, the moment you recognize you've sinned, you should ask for forgiveness. That's something that you should do. Don't put it off. Acknowledge it for what it's worth. Acknowledge it because you don't want to hinder your relationship with the Lord because you know you might have messed up or blown it somewhere. But then you need to take it to him right away and ask for forgiveness. Take your life where you're loaded with guilt. Confess your inability to clean up your own conscience. Ask him to forgive you and thank him for deliverance. He will forgive you. He does forgive you. He clears your record. He clears away those transgressions, those marks, if you want to call it, whatever you want to call them, those marks that you have against you. He takes care of all of that. And I think what people have struggled with here is that God's grace is in effect here. And we, we live in such a world where people just aren't very gracious. They aren't very forgiving. They aren't very understanding. And the world sometimes will cloud over the way we think about who God is. God forgives us in an instant when we take our sins to him. In an instant. And I mean, when I say instant, I mean instantaneously. As quick as a flash of lightning. When we see a flash of lightning in the sky, we, we recognize that that happens instantaneously. It's very quick and it disappears. 
And let's equate the same way of thinking here that what, this is what God does for us when it comes to our sins. He forgives us instantaneously when we take these sins and these matters to him. He entered the most holy place once for all time, the place that we know that is not um, made by human hands, which is the other thing that we're looking at. So we're taking that earthly tabernacle, and we're now transitioning over to this place, this place where Jesus has prepared a place for us. This is the place, the most holy place. It's the place where he resides. He is the high priest. Remember, we remember only the high priest could go in. The only one priest could go into that most holy place once a year. Well, this has been taken care of now where Jesus Christ is in this most holy place. But it's a place in heaven. It's a heavenly place. So that's what we need to recognize here about how the tabernacle was really just a demonstration. Number one of God's holiness, of his standards he had certain standards that had to be followed even for you for a priest to approach him uh, and he couldn't just do whatever he wanted to it had to be done in a specific way an exact way but this shows you about God's precision God's command he gives us uh, commands that we have to follow to make sure that we are being obedient to him and and this is a demonstration of that from the tabernacle shift now to this most holy place we look at in heaven Redemption for all time by God through His through Jesus Christ uh, for his, his own blood being that re, that redemption forever. These are all things we need to see. That was in verse twelve of Hebrews nine. Let's look at verse thirteen. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. And then verse 14, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Amen and amen. When the people sacrificed animals, God considered the people's faith and obedience, cleansed them from sin, and made them ceremonially, this is what it says in Hebrews, ceremonially acceptable according to Old Testament law. Now see, this is the thing we need to understand here. The priests did what they did to make them ceremonial acceptable. Now what is a ceremony? Just like you have a wedding, just like you have a, a, a funeral, whatever it is, whatever it is that we're doing, these are things that we do as a process uh, where we go through this, the wedding, we have a wedding where there are vows that are being taken, and there's a ceremony that takes place, and God is the one who unites people in marriage, and basically the, the people who are getting married have to acknowledge what? Before God, that they're going to make a commitment to be faithful to each other, and in doing so, they will be able to say uh, that they are married because God's going to bless that marriage, he's going to cover that marriage, and he's going to say, okay, you are, uh, you are now married. We go through the ceremony. Uh, because there's a requirement uh, in according to state laws that if you want to be married, you have to go through a ceremony. You have to get a license for it. This is what it, it is involves here. So this whole thing with this tabernacle was about people getting going coming before the Lord, but the priests had to be the one to perform the ceremony with the sacrifice of the animals to show that there was uh, that their sins were indeed taken care of, but it was done in a ceremony. And now we're seeing how Jesus Christ is now 
taken care of all of that, we no longer need to go through that, that ritual. We no longer need to do those things because this was all being done prior to this, to Old Testament law. But Christ's sacrifice transforms us. It transforms our lives and hearts to make us clean on the inside. Remember, the sins are what can be seen right on the outside. We, when we commit sins, we recognize a lot of those sins, sometimes physically. Of course, we know that there are sins that are done uh, from the inside as well, too. But now Jesus Christ is taking care of the outside and the inside with his death on the cross. His sacrifice is infinitely more effective than the animal sacrifices. We recognize that immediately, of course. No barrier or sin of weakness on our part can stifle his forgiveness. There are, there are no longer any exclusions. There's no curtains to be reckoned with. There's no priest to be reckoned with. We know that Jesus Christ has taken care of our sins when we acknowledge him, when we ask for forgiveness, past, present, and future, they're all taken care of. We are very thankful for that. We are very thankful that we do not have to go through the old ritualistic ceremonial situation when it comes to our sins. Because even though those sins were taken care of according to Old Testament law ceremonially, we knew who we were as a people. We recognized that sometimes sin would be in our hearts, in our ways of thinking. And those who were trying to be faithful to the Lord recognized that it still wasn't perfect, but it was something that had to be done for God to forgive us of our sins. That was what was necessary. Because even back then they knew if when there was sin in the camp at Israel, for those who were recognizing it, they knew that there was immediate separation from the Lord. They were not being faithful. They were not being obedient. They were not recognizing his word. Here we recognize the same thing, but Jesus Christ now takes care of our sins so that we do acknowledge uh, who he is. We acknowledge the spirit. We acknowledge, who, we, we acknowledge God's faithfulness is what we do. We recognize his faithfulness, his teaching. So there's no longer any barriers, no longer anything that keeps us from recognizing the goodness of Jesus Christ because of his sacrifice for us. And that's something to be very, very thankful for. Look again real quick at verse 14 in Hebrews 9. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciousness from our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. That's the whole thing. It frees us up. It frees us up to worship the Lord. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And we need to recognize that these things are being freed up now. We are freed up to worship God. We don't have to worry about rituals. We don't have to worry about ceremonies. We don't have to worry about whether or not the high priest is going to do it right. Uh, we don't have to worry about any of those things. We recognize that Jesus is our perfect high priest. He is our high priest. He is the one we look to. He is the one we focus on. See, the high priest had a purpose, too. There was a focus on the high priest because he was the one that had the power to go before God and for, ask for forgiveness for sins. But now Jesus Christ is the one who goes before God and gives us forgiveness of our sins as well, too. And we recognize that our sinful deeds, the things that we do, they do hinder our relationship with the Lord. So it's really important for us to look at how the world looks at things now. We recognize our culture glorifies self-effort. Our culture glorifies personal achievement. And there's nothing wrong with achieving things and doing things. But we need to recognize that the things that we achieve, the things that we do, it's because of God's grace. It's because of God's enabling. It's because of God's power. 
on our own, we have no strength whatsoever. God allows a lot of things to happen, but we have to recognize that he's the one in the midst of all of this. He's the one who's doing these things. And if you have goals like taking care of yourself financially, if you have goals of uh, taking care of your body like for health and fitness, we all should have relative important, relatively important goals when it comes to health and fitness. We should be uh, taking supplements, doing those things. There's nothing wrong with that. And we recognize that, and we also recognize that uh, it's a good it's a good thing if you can gain the respect of others. Because frankly, for as far as I'm concerned, that's a way for you to have a future testimony with people. If you have the ability to to be kind to people and be nice to people, do so. Of course, uh, these are all things that are important. But you don't do it for the glory of the world. You do it because of God's glory, God's goodness. He's the one that gives you the perspective. He gives you the, the different perspective on what it is to be successful in life. And to be successful in life is what? To be obedient to him, to focus on his word, to stay focused on him. No matter what you're achieving or what you're doing, you need to be focused on what he is teaching you in that process. And this, kind of, this message here is kind of for those individuals who are on the fence about who Jesus Christ is. You can't achieve salvation. You can't work for salvation. You can't just keep doing things and think that's going to be good enough. You have to understand that a lot of people have that mentality and attitude that for whatever reason, Jesus Christ is not in the picture. Well, Jesus Christ is certainly in the picture. He is always in the picture. Um, but we have all kinds of people out there who talk about all different kinds of ways to um, approach life. And Jesus is not part of that. And it just boggles the mind sometimes. But then again, Satan is very busy in, in convincing people that they need to just think more about themselves and they can get where they are. Um, I can't help but think, and I'm not trying to prolong this any more than necessary, but I can't help but think of all the people who you see just rushing around and, and just moving quickly and moving really fast who are very impatient. They lack patience. They lack understanding. They lack forgiveness. And you have to understand that those are all things that Satan wants to trap people with. To think that there is no need to even look to God and ask for forgiveness because either God is, doesn't exist or God is not relevant to them or uh, this whole thing about God is a fantasy and a fable. And those people are very desperately, they're in bad shape. They probably don't realize it, but they are. And we have to recognize that the... Those are people who need to be prayed for more than anything. They really do. They need to be prayed for. And we need to have the heart of Jesus Christ when it comes to forgiveness for people too. It's hard sometimes to forgive people when they wrong you. There's no question about that. Or when they cross your path and they do something to you that you, they know they shouldn't be doing, but they do it anyway. Well, have a heart for God and, and just for, ask for forgiveness for them and be prayerful for them. Take a look real quick about what Jesus Christ does to purify our conscience when we talk about uh, looking to the Lord. Let's take a look at Hebrews cha uh, chapter 10. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices, devices to Hebrews 10. I need to get there myself. I'm way off. Hebrews 10. Um, and that's going to be the next chapter we're going to look at, but let's look at, take a, peek, a sneak peek for the future. Look at verses 19 through 22. We need to recognize what Jesus Christ has done 
to help us to have greater confidence in ourselves in Christ, not confidence in the world. And this is the difference between those who know the Lord, have a relationship with the Lord, and those who do not. A lot of people have confidence in themselves, but now we're looking at what confidence we need to have in Jesus, and that this is what God does for us. Hebrews 10, starting at verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up, opened for us through the, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we recognize what Jesus Christ is doing here. Draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Jesus Christ gives us what? Confidence in our faith. Assurance of our faith. And we are, he makes us clean because he washes us. He cleanses us from our evil conscience because let's face it, in our flesh we're evil. Uh, we do things we know we shouldn't be doing. We recognize that. We recognize that before we became believers. Uh, we were like the world, and we acted like the world. Amen? We did things we know we shouldn't have done. Uh, I'll just take the bullet and say, hey, I know I did things that I wasn't supposed to do. Um, and I recognize that without Christ, I was definitely live, I was going in the wrong direction. That's why I, I finally, at age 26, decided I need to do something different in my life. Uh, it took me 26 years to figure it out. Uh, hopefully, it, it never took you that long, but for me, it took 26 years. And so I recognized that I needed to have uh, the assurance of Jesus Christ in my life because without him, I was thinking about my own things. I was thinking about doing my own things, I, but I wasn't going anywhere. It, sometimes it, it comes down to if you feel like you're not going anywhere, if you feel like your life is not moving in a good place, it looks like it's going backwards, it looks like it's going not going where it should be going, Jesus Christ has to be the one to fill in those gaps to help you with those things, to help take care of your sin, to move you forward. That's what's really important for us to see here. I pray that you think about that moment when you accepted Christ and how there was a change, and you recognize there was a change where um, the old had passed away, the now you were part of the new, the new creation. That God was making you into. And that new creation continues to evolve and it continues to grow and it continues in love it, uh, for you because you trusted in him. And God thinks we are so precious. Uh, he did what he did on the cross for us. That's, it's almost mind-boggling to look at that and see that, how much he loves us. Because um, we look at the, when we look at the Gospels and we see how God prayed uh, uh, Jesus himself prayed to God uh, in anguish, knowing what he was facing, and yet he did so willingly to be obedient to the Father. That is what we need to recognize when we see here the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He was the he offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice for sins. Let's go back to Hebrews 9, verse 15. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. Oh, that's wonderful. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. The first covenant was that covenant that was made through 
Moses in the tabernacle and through the priests. That's the first covenant. Jesus Christ is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people. So we no longer have the Old Testament covenant. We have the new covenant. God himself, through Jesus Christ, is offering. He is the one who mediates. We, we're, I'm never going to completely understand while I'm here on earth this whole thing about the Trinity between Jesus Christ and God and, and the Holy Spirit, but yet they're one and the same. And we recognize that Jesus Christ is the one we look to because he is the mediator. He is the one that God put forth for us to be that mediator, the one who is the one who promotes the new covenant. Jesus himself proclaimed a new covenant for us. So the people in the Old Testament times were saved through Christ's sacrifice, even though Christ's sacrifice hadn't happened yet. So remember what we said about the tabernacle ceremony? It was ceremonial. The ultimate forgiveness now came from Jesus Christ's death on the cross for all those who practiced those rituals back in Old Testament times, from the times when the priest was set up, when the time, from Abraham's time, okay? I mean, this is, all of those people now were recognizing Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that Abraham was one of the people who, in the, in the moment of the transfiguration, Abraham was one of those present before Jesus Christ. Abraham got to see who Jesus was and recognize who Jesus was. And so all of those sins that took place, ultimately, where there was a ceremonial forgiveness, now there was an, a complete forgiveness um, by Christ's sacrifice on the cross. It's little wonder that that curtain in the temple was torn in two. There was no longer a need for those sacrifices. That, that's what we need to see here. Um, and it was taking place and it took care of all people who had sinned up until that point and went through the Old Testament law for all time up through that moment. When I said past, present, and future, I meant past, present, and future. All the past sins were forgiven for those who acknowledged who Christ is, acknowledged God's goodness, and now all the present and future sins will be taken care of through that sacrifice. When the unblemished animal sacrifices were offered, they were actually anticipating Christ's coming and his death for sin. Now, you remember that all of the books of the Bible point directly to Jesus Christ, and there was prophecy about Jesus Christ, but nobody really knew exactly how that was going to take place or what was going to happen. But Jesus Christ had set it up where now he was showing everyone this is what was going to happen, this is what had to happen. And even at the time when Christ died on the cross, not everybody understood completely. They had to be informed of what happened and now that's what actually is happening here where the hebrew christians are being informed of what happened that's what this teaching is that's what this whole teaching is in in the entire book of hebrews they're being taught we're now switching over to the new covenant it's better and greater than the old covenant and it was about christ dying on the cross for our sins there was no need now to go back to the old system the old ritual of going through the temple, no need to do that anymore because Christ had become the final perfect sacrifice for our sins. So that's what the Hebrews had to learn here, and that's what we're learning here as well too. We're looking at how these sacrifices were no longer necessary. They were rituals. They were ceremonial in nature. It was a representation of God's forgiveness of their sin. And we see that and recognize that. You have to understand, too, that 
God's mercy is in play here. And we did see instances where God unleashed his uh, wrath on those people who dared to not be obedient to him or not follow the routine that he established. We have seen that numerous times in Scripture. So God's grace had to come into play here to allow for this whole thing to take place where one day Jesus Christ would atone for the sins of those individuals who participated in the old rituals in the Old Testament. And now we recognize that he has also taken care of our sins as part of a new covenant between God and us. And that is something that is really wondrous. It's an amazing thing to behold. It's an amazing thing to know that our hearts and minds are cleansed because of Jesus Christ, because of his presence and his his glorious uh, sacrifice for us on the cross. He did so many things for us and demonstrating to the people that you know he drew, indeed was the one to look to. And we're very thankful for his sacrifice on the cross. I trust and pray that you take the time to reflect on that today. Go back and look over Hebrews chapter 9 and look at this explanation about the tabernacle and how the blood of Christ now supersedes all of that. It's all no longer necessary. We have um, the one who is indeed in that most holy place for us, who is looking to us, looking to us to be obedient to him, focus on him, uh, read his word as we gain greater understanding, stay in the word, amen, stay in the word every day and recognize his goodness. He is the one to be praised and glorified, amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this teaching. We thank you for your loving presence. We thank you for what you're doing for us right now. I thank you, Lord, for looking after us as a people. I thank you again for your ongoing teaching and helping us to continue to grow in our relationship with you. Lord, we want to grow more and more. We know that we're learning more and more as we focus on you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the hearts and minds to forgive others. Thank you for giving the hearts and minds to pray for others. Lord, that's what you would have us to do. As we go into all the world and preach the gospel, Give us the mindset to continue to be of service to you and speak about your goodness. We thank you again, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for your covering over us. Lord, we don't want to be fearful of anything. Uh, We know that the world out there has a lot of fear. There are a lot of things that are happening where people are fearful. Lord, give us a heart of empathy. Give us a caring heart. Give us the mindset to be ready to speak when we are spoken to. And there are many people out there that need to hear about your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing for us and what you'll do with us and for us in the future. We give you praise and thanks. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. We are going to now transition over to... Uh, The second part of our worship for today, that's going to be the message from Pastor Gus. Give me a minute. I will send that over to you uh, on the Akron Alliance timeline uh, in just a a couple of minutes or so. The Soul Matters. It's a pre-recorded message. That's for those of you who are online today and not going to church. Um, For those of you who are going to church, God bless you. Um, Have safe travels going there. Enjoy the weather today. It's beautiful here today. I hope it's just as beautiful there uh, in Akron. And we'll catch up with you next week. So, uh, again, take care of yourselves. We'll see you soon. And uh, we'll see you next time.